Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by our friends at Modus Operandi Brewing, based in Monavale on Sydney's northern beaches, some of the best craft beer around. I've been really enjoying the XPA uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, really good drop, and I know they've got plenty of plenty of great beers on tap up there at the brewery, so get a booking, get on up there, and uh, with rugby starting, there's no better way to enjoy the Shoot Shield with a Modus in your hand. Well, we've made it. Round one kicks off this Saturday. What a wait, my God. All of our starved rugby people, our supporters, our players, our coaches. It's just been such a, a long and arduous journey to get here for round one, but it is here. I've uh, got some bumper games to kick off the season. We'll be talking about that shortly, and I'm really looking forward to previewing all of the 13 teams that comprise this terrific competition. It is a great uh, season we've got ahead of us. We're going to do that. We're just going to run by team by team, check it out, have a chat in and around uh, what's happening this season, and uh, yeah. Let's bring it on. Shoot, shoot, action. Finally here. Welcome to Shootcast. Welcome to episode 10 of Shootcast. Joining me on the line is Paul Cook from Behind the Ruck. He's going to help me preview the upcoming season starting on Saturday. Cookie, thanks for uh, jumping back on, mate. Hey, Berger. How are you? Nice to be back. Mate, you must have a spring in your step this morning because uh, North London Derby, Tottenham 2, Arsenal 1. Mate, I hadn't seen it. Um, <laughs> I to it's all I'm so pleased that you've waited for me to come back on just the day after we beat in the North London Derby. So yeah, I'm very happy, man. Very surprised uh, the way we've been playing, playing lately. But uh, yeah, delighted to get one over you, uh, Woodage Wanderers. Yeah, mate. Uh, with 82 percent possession and countless <laughs> countless strokes on goal, hit the crossbar at six times. You got away with it, mate. But uh, well done, well done. You're ahead of us now by what a point? Two points, mate. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. All right. All right. There's a few games left, so yeah, hopefully... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll stop it up for me, don't worry. We'll see what happens, mate. Now, mate, uh, full start this year. We're uh, four months down the track. We're finally going to get a kickoff for obvious reasons. It's uh, strange old times, but it's a uh, huge relief to be, be getting going this weekend, hey? Well, it's funny, isn't it? When you came up with the idea of this, the podcast and we did those first episodes looking back at a decade, I don't think we thought it'd be four months down the line before we'd um, actually be talking about the weekend that's about to kick off. But now it's here, I think, having spoken to a lot of the coaches and getting the vibe around Clubland, I think everyone's just ready to go and everyone's really excited about what's what looms as a, as a fantastic season ahead. Yeah, I think so, mate. It was Certainly when we put this podcast out, it was basically going to be the week before we... <laughs> kicked off the season, it'll be a weekly mm. show where pretty much the results are do the talking, but I've had to become uh, an interviewer now, people people calling it coach cast, it's, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great experience talking to some of the coaches, I haven't talked to everyone yet, and obviously I'll, I've tried to get through uh, some of the rest of them as the season starts to take shape, but it, it has been interesting getting getting the chats around the ground, but I certainly have had to uh, change my uh, podcasting technique from what I thought was a chat to being an interviewer, it's been it's been quite the learning experience. It's a learning curve. No, it's gone well, mate. I think and talking to coaches and getting the feedback around the, the traps, people seem to like what's been going on. So uh, it's good. Just, just uh, kind of yeah. like talking about footy, right? So it's like, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we're getting going on Saturday, obviously. Um, there were some trials on the weekend, which we'll touch on. Um, but it's obviously 
still in the shadow of uh, COVID-19, isn't it? I mean, um, it's unfortunately the timing of the uh, kickoff has come with the uh, fears of the perceived second wave. Obviously, was what's happened to Victoria is now things starting to to uh, spike up in New South Wales and um, we had some unfortunate press from one of the trials over at East on the weekend. So uh, it's it's a hard headspace and I sympathise with the coaches and players at the moment, don't you? Well, it's the, the great unknown is that you know you're walking a tightrope. So no matter, everyone seems to be trying to do the right thing to put everything possible in place to make sure this happens. Um, but how do you, how do you stop certain things getting out of certain things or behaviour patterns or whatever and you just feel that it only takes one wrong thing to go and the whole thing could collapse around your ears. So it's, there's a lot of uncertainty around. We can just keep our fingers crossed that we do get some footy sensibility prevails and we, we get lucky because I suppose we're pretty lucky in, in some respects compared to everywhere else the first time round. So um, we just got to get our fingers crossed that things come through the second time. Yeah, mate, absolutely. It's uh, just been such a such a strange and, and ongoing process for for everyone. But um, great job by all the clubs to to get it going. I went down to the Manly trial on the weekend. We had six hundred um, fans pre registered for the game. We probably had about eight or nine hundred people show up just for a trial, which was terrific. So that clearly people are, are wanting to get out and about. And mm. only got to the lower grade games, but it's just nice to just be on the sideline watching footy again. And uh, Long may it continue this season. So the, the dirty word in world sport uh, in this pandemic year has been the asterisk season. That is the uh, the season whereby the winner is asterisk because of uh, a funny format or a loss of games. Obviously, if you're a Liverpool fan, you've been riding a bit of that. But um, with, with if, if we can get through a 13-round competition uh, with two new teams or returning Penrith and Newcastle uh, and a proper final series, I mean, that's a, that's a ding-dong Bloody season for me. It's a, it's it's. It, I don't I don't see any any perceived issue with an asterisk. Do you? If if we can get through it. Well, it's more than one coach pointed out to me in, in chatting to in recent weeks. Um, it's only what four rounds less than I think. Darren Coleman said it's twenty five percent less of a season. So uh, it could be. I, I framed it as a bit of a sprint to the line scenario, given everything else around it. But um, it isn't that much shorter, and. Uh, they pointed out as well as everybody, every team is playing every other team once. So in some ways, that's an even more even competition because some of some play, teams are playing twice. Some had two bites last year, one bite, et cetera. So even that's a shorter comp, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit more balanced like that. I mean, it's never going to get back to the perfect one for me was the home and away rounds, a 22-round comp. I'd, I'd love to get back to that at some point. I don't suppose we ever will, but I, I don't see any reason why. I yeah, I don't think players now they've gone away from twenty. I I think honestly it would be hard to get the players up for a twenty-two round yeah. comp again. Now it's gone back to sort of the eighteen ninety because another three weeks it's 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 big. But yeah, look in a perfect perfect world it is the full home and away. It's obviously the fairest and and the best for the clubs, I guess, um, in terms of revenue and things like that as well. But um, yeah, it's exciting. Got to be it's got to be. You can't put an asterisk next to it. if you. If you finish top of the column, you finish in the six after 13 hard rounds and you win three games in the grand final, you've won the comp. You've beaten every other team. So I don't, I don't see the problem. Mm. Yeah, you're going to want to, um, you know, you've got to get the wins up pretty quickly. Everyone's mm. going to be, it's going to be very, very competitive and I can see it's going to be really, really tight because I, I think COVID has maybe leveled the playing field a little bit more too. I don't think maybe the recruitment, for some clubs is, is probably where it wanted to be because people having to go home or haven't been able to come out to Australia. So I feel like there's been a little bit of 
levelling. Um, so I think that makes for an even tighter and hopefully uh, more exciting competition this year. Well, I think it's, it, a lot of clubs, some been some gains, some losses. This sort of swings and roundabouts. Clubs have lost players that have been forced to go back, notably probably to New Zealand, maybe the UK, mm. but then... There's also been players that weren't able to go that um, they've been able to stick around that the clubs weren't expecting. So it seems to have roughly evened out. Some clubs have also recruited more than others, as we'll talk about. But um, I, I think it does set, certainly prime as an exceptional season to come because there's a bit of unknown, because you've got two new teams, because you've got new coaches, teams that are looking to improve, and how you're going to squeeze all the likely is into into six spots is uh, is really interesting to play out, see how it plays out. You know, it will be interesting. And, look, you've done a lot of homework uh, over the past few weeks and months in, in accumulating uh, where all the clubs are sitting. I've obviously talked to, uh, uh, you know, about half the coaches in the competition. So uh, between the two of us, we can, we can knock over some of these uh, clubs and, and talk about some of the uh, – some of the changes in terms of team personnel and maybe some of the um, some of the ways some of these coaches are looking to attack the season. So, mate, with 13 teams, we probably best get into it, shouldn't we? Let's go. Where do you want to start, mate? <laughs> uh, well, let's start down south because, I, I mean, yeah, so the, the thing for me is obviously I've been doing these season previews for the Behind the website, so that's where my mm-hmm. IP is coming from. So I'll start with Southern Districts, which is where I started with Incoming Todd Loudon, coming back from the Melbourne Rebels, um, be his fifth stint in the Shoot Shield, his mm. fourth different clubs. I mean, Randwick, Sydney Uni, West Harbour, Souths. Um, and I think is, there's a lot of people in the shy hoping he could be the missing link that uh, leads them to that much-needed or, or, or much-awaited uh, maiden title. I think so. I think so. They're a pretty, um, pretty determined club. They've always had really strong administration for for a while now, and they they take their footy very seriously. And Todd's obviously a very very experienced coach, and uh, he's looking from all accounts to build a little bit organically. And uh, you know that we'll talk about the word rebuild probably a few times today. And and uh, you know coaches don't want to say that. But you get the feeling he's setting themselves up for for a longer term sort of a, approach. But um, I got to look at them. Briefly on the weekend, they trialled against Manly. Unfortunately, I didn't make the first grade game. I had to go to a commitment. I couldn't believe it, but uh, I have watched the game since. And, um, yeah, they look like there's some some up-and-comers to come. But, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting what happens um, with the Rebels this year. Well, the prime comments coming from Todd were around fitness. He has a specific game that he wants to instill. He wants to change the way South are perceived. He wants to make them a sort of more gnarly, a more aggressive, more confrontational outfit. And to do that, uh, he wants them to be a lot fitter. So all, all the word coming out from some of the guys there is it's been the toughest training, toughest pre-season they've had. Um, whether that was dampened somewhat by the, the COVID-enforced hiatus, we'll wait to see because I think they were ready to go around one back in that would have been April. So it's like mm. you kind of got to reinvent the wheel a little bit and start again. Um but I think knowing Todd's track record, uh, the desire for people to to get to where they want to at Souths, uh, especially after a couple of fallow years of not making the finals, be hard to make a case against them not being in and around the mix, not, not possibly even to win it, but certainly to, to knock on the door of the finals at least. I think so. That's probably probably pretty right. It's, uh, they've had they've have had a good cult side mm. uh, for a couple of years, and I know a lot of those guys will be pushing into uh, into grade. So it could be a bit of a generation next 
um, for the Rebels, but they have had a lot of players picked up in the professional space, haven't they? So uh, it's a get, it gets a bit of that balance. Well, I don't see what's happening with Jed Holloway at the moment. He's not playing at the Waratahs. I don't suspect yeah. he's injured. I, don't, yeah. I wonder if he's going to turn out for the uh, for the Rebels, mate. Well, you'd think if he's available, knowing mm. Jed, I know he'd do anything to pull on the... Uh, the yeah, he loves his club. Jersey. So uh, I think if he's available, yeah, of course he's a shoo-in. But, uh, yeah. I mean, there's still this, this thing. Do we know any more about the super rugby players? Because initially it was they weren't going to be coming back and now it seems to be an and or. But it would seem daft to me if they don't come back at some point, COVID it's, permitting. It's, it's quite crazy. I'm not going to name this player, but a player that played in the super rugby game at Brookvale on Friday night told one of his mates at Manly that he couldn't come watch the trial because they're not allowed to. But yet mm. he can go into a cafe. So... Explain that to me. I, I, don't get it. I can't it's wait. All of that un- unknown of saying, well, how do you predict sides that might make the finals? Because they're definitely going to be impacted. If you look at the unis and the eastern sides that are kind of more generally stacked with with certainly Waratahs players, if they don't get those mm. at the point in the season, it's obviously creates a point of difference. Um, but we just don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. So that would level the playing field somewhat. But I just it, it also means if those players, you've got so many fringe players that either aren't getting the game with the Waratahs, but they're contracted and not allowed back to club footy, what are they doing? They're not even playing any footy at all. So I, I'm sure it's in the best interest to try and keep them apart or, or let them get some footy at some point. But I, there's a paranoia around infection and, and the bubble, I guess, they've got to, they're trying to do the right thing, but it's, um, you just hope at some point sensibility wills out if if we're in a good space socially to let those guys come back at the end of the comp and play. Well, you'd hope so. Uh, you'd hope so. So, like I said, I, I actually got a chance to see South play on the weekend. Mm. I watched the, watched the video back. I couldn't take – trials for me, really mysterious beast, and I, I this one was even more mysterious because Manly started first grade side – at three o'clock, as you would, uh, but South still had their second grade side on the field, finishing off their last quarter. So it was even more sort of weird. Manly sort of well on top in that first quarter. Then when South's first grade came on, it was sort of evened up, and then South probably had the running on Manly in the final quarter, being a quarter um, ahead of them. So it was I couldn't get a gauge at all. It ended up twenty six twenty one to Manly, but it was. It was scrappy and, you know, it was willing, but and I'm sure both sides would be better for the run, but to take anything away from that would be would be pretty difficult. So it's uh, to play, isn't it? Because you yeah, you, you you're looking for any signs of form, but particularly given the lack of contact work that these yeah. guys have had yeah. uh, and the lack of gelling time for combinations, etc. they've had compared to previous years. I mean it's it's gonna take two or three weeks to blow the cobwebs away. So you're probably not gonna see Teams start starting to fire on all cylinders, maybe till round three, I, I would guess. And then that's that's what's going to be the point of difference, as you mentioned earlier. You can't look, afford to lose too many early on because you're playing knockout footy just to get the finals after that. That's the funniest thing, right? You know, you, usually you can, as uh, Benny Batcher said when I talked to him, uh, you can maybe sort of roll into the seeds and you, you drop a game here or there, and you know, just you know, burn one just to get your your chemistry right. Um, but in this competition, if you're you know, one and three, or you know, two and two. Uh, automatically, the um, the pressure's on pretty quickly, and um, you know, pressure plays a plays a big part. You can lose the season, you know, quick smart. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. So, what's happened at South, mate? What's the chop look like with the ins and outs? Uh, well, they're not a huge amount. I mean, 
heading out or, or possibly unavailable. And Bailey Coenzo was down the Brumbies, so he he comes and as well as uh, as well as Shambek Lavui. So that falls into the categories we just talked about. Will they come back? I think Bailey Bailey's a sort of player that you would have just liked to see play a full season of first grade. Yeah, good player. Bouncing in and out and in and out and not really getting the minutes that you'd like to see him get. Um, Devette Root was headed over to Major League Rugby when, as and when that kicks off in the US, if ever. And uh, one of my favourite players of the last decade, Apo Latunipulu, um, has decided to not first grade. And he's going to have a run around lower grades with his brother. So that's a big hole in, in the centres for a start. Um, what, he's going to play lower grades at South? Yeah. Oh, how quickly before, you know, a couple, yeah. couple of games of four minutes come knocking on the door again. He's got a few rugby playing brothers. I know Sam's there and uh, mm. I think he just wants to have a run around a bit and enjoy it a little bit. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. If they suddenly get yeah. injuries in first grade, you never know. Uh, yeah. If he's there. And then on the ins coming in, you've got Ben Connolly coming back from MLR, who's a wing that's been around for a while. Um, yep. Tim Metcher. Prop, who was in the Rebels system. Good player. Well, good player. He's come back from Canada, but may only be here for a short amount of time, is my understanding, before he heads off again. Um, player could, be, up, could be here for a long time, Andrew Koala from Norths, another Waratahs hooker, could get a run. And a player like from the NRC, Phil Potgetter, is a, a gnarly sort of lock, played for Queensland Country. Yep. Um, the player I wanted to ask you about, if you watched the game, do you know who played 10 for South at the weekend? No. No, I wanted there's a guy that, that Todd raved about, this guy, Liam Mosley, um, who's a 10 come down from Brisbane. Mm. And I think he's a guy who said that at 18 years old, he was in the Reds Academy, the Lions Academy, and the Broncos Academy. Wow. Oh, you'd think he's some kind of athlete, and, and Todd would say he's, he's an excitement machine and uh, he could be anything. So I'd be interested how that guy goes. Yeah, that will be interesting. Mm. Yeah. It, um, yeah, I mean, South, as you say, they'd be um, really keen to get back in um, into the finals mix, and obviously it's not going to be easy, but seemingly got a reasonable sort of a squad. And Todd's the kind of guy that can – can build things pretty quickly, I'm sure. You could just tell they look look really professional. I think just the way you could just sense sometimes when that higher level coach comes into a, to a club, you can see it visibly. You know, the training looks more professional and everything just looks a little bit smarter. You know, even on social media, you can see things just have an impact like that. So uh, South look um, to be headed in the right direction. So I guess it's just going to be be a look and see. Yeah, I think I think Todd's byword would be systems. That, that's the thing. South have always produced good players, mm. and of course, Todd coached against them in the 2012 final, where you could make a strong case that's about South the better team in that yeah. final. But he would say, being on the side of Union at the time, it was the systems that got them home. So that's what he's trying to bring to a talented bunch of aspiring players is to put those systems in place and get the fitness locked down. That's going to take them to the next level they've been trying to get to. Mm. Well, we um, look forward to seeing how they get on this year. Um, we might jump into their opponents on the weekend, Manly, huh? Yeah, well, you've got you know, hopefully a little bit of insight in there of, of uh, being in and around the Marlins mix. So what's your thoughts on them this year? Um, I think it's an interesting year. Um, we have had a bit of change, but um, we've got some good young Colts coming through the ranks of Colts 
um, program has been a bit of a focus the last couple of years, and you're going to see a good handful of them on the weekend. And they were probably some of the uh, some of the ones that caught the eye um, on Saturday. Um, the winger Yule Yule. I think everyone uh, will start to get to know this kid if we get some footy under our belts this year because he's seriously good athlete. Um, been at the club playing Colts for a couple of years. Um, from Stanny's out in Bathurst, um, and uh, he's just a terrific athlete, real freak, um, just amazing speed, does it with absolute ease when he runs. He doesn't look like he's running fast, but he's he's seriously moving and uh, scored two tries on the weekend. Um, oh, he could have caught, he could have scored, he could have scored four. He was just, um, yeah, he, I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to big him up too much, but he looks a real talent. First year, um, First year uh, in grade, and um, yeah, I just think um, he he might might be a bit of a star. He's obviously got Dennis Pilly guitar inside of him, so you'd think maybe get a few opportunities in some broken fields. So that, you know that could be exciting. But there's obviously um, Manly still got a bit of an old guard there. You look at the team on the weekend. We had Hilton Brand, Burgelin, Ali, Ali, uh, Lane, um, Pilly Gitau. So still quite a few of those players. Um, in and around the mix, um, but they certainly will be looking towards some of these fresher legs. So um, I know Matt uh, McGoldrick, head coach, uh, hasn't really been big on recruitment. He might have picked up a prop or two um, just to strengthen, the, the obviously, the up front. Um, but it was interesting watching the playing on the weekend. They uh, kicked uh, a real lot of ball, um, sometimes effectively, sometimes not so effectively, but it just felt like watching them maybe going through a bit of a change of philosophy from the way that uh, Brian Murrow's obviously has had an imprint on the team for three years. It's not easy to just um, fall out of a different style of play, but I think Matt's game plan's a bit different. Um, not saying it's right or wrong or Billy's is right or wrong, but um, Billy obviously had a you know really strong focus on attack and very, very good attack coach, as we all know, but maybe Matt's a bit more pragmatic. So it was sort of a bit funny. It looked like we caught a little bit between two f- sort of philosophies on the weekend, which is normal. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a, a nice blend and by all accounts, the culture and camaraderie at training across the whole club is really good, really good in good numbers. I think they're averaging about 85, 90 guys at training, um, which is terrific and seemingly everyone's um, there's a good vibe. So uh, hopefully that translates into, into results. But, um, yeah, I, I see them sitting. It's just so hard this year to really know where anyone's at without a without a consistent trial period. Um, and, and how guys have been training over this lockdown period. Um, you know, some coaches are professing that maybe their squads worked harder, others maybe not so hard. So I know Manly guys have seemingly been trialling really hard, but there's no substitute like Matt, Matt's fitness. So I guess we'll see, hey? I think the interesting thing with Manly is, um, particularly for seeing that one, the most amount of shoot shield games over the last decade only bettered by Eastwood. So a team that's consistently be knocking on the door that there's a little bit of a perception that there might be a smoky this year. Um, and and, and that, that might work in their favour. Just let, you know, Goldie's come back in. He's obviously manly through and through and he's his first time as a head coach and he can come in and put his ideas and systems in place. And maybe there's not that level of expectation because there's been some change there and that might suit manly. Um, yeah. there's, if you can get that mix right, I mean, he talked a lot about defence. He thinks the attack, uh, as he put it, Manly can always score points, but uh, his defence has been letting you down at certain times, especially at the point in the end of the season. So it's about toughing up, making you harder to beat, 
uh, making it harder to score against. So if you get mm-hmm. that balance with, like you say, that core element, most good teams are going to win. I mean, uni be the exception in recent years, but a lot of good teams are going on in grand finals. You have that happy blend of youth exuberance, but also experience some older heads that have been around the block and are ready to win. Um, I think, yeah. that. So if it clicks, it could be could be very interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think um, after about 2015, uh, had a lot of locals and a really good nucleus in that side, but amazing how many players in that sort of era went on to either uh, professional rugby or overseas or, or just not playing anymore. And then we have probably masked um, the last few years, probably if you're running a normal cycle of a club, Manly probably should have dipped out of the finals maybe the last couple of years, but has recruited to probably stay competitive. Mm. And I think with that recruitment, um, you know, it, was, it gets becomes a bit of a sugar hit. And I think Matt's really not um, keen on that. He's probably keen more to, to, to build from within and build the right type of culture. I think there's been a theory at Manly that you're 90% of the way there, you've got great crowds, you're well supported, his performance has been great, you've nearly nearly won the comp, you're sort of 95% of the way there, but maybe you're not 100% of the way there because you're not building it the right way. So I think Matt's got a really strong um, theory on that and, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully it comes off. Obviously, yeah. it's been a bit of a premiership wait now. We're uh, over 20 years and uh, we're, we're still pretty hungry. <laughs> it's a long time between drinks, but... Um... Yeah, it would be interesting to see how they go this year. And I think there's one player I'm really, really looking forward to coming in and watching him get an injury-free run at it and dominate is Sam Lane because I think he's he's frittered in and out and, and been on the, the fringes in and out of pro footy, whether it's in Australia or overseas. And maybe apart from 2015, we play a snacky games alongside Matt Lucas. No. Um, he always seems to have played half a season or half a season there. Not quite. I'd like to see him play in the number 10 and dominate because he's arguably on his day one of the best tens in the comp and just guide Manly around the park for the whole season to grand final. And, and you can finally see all the promise that he's probably had all his years that he's never really had a full season to to really exhibit, I don't think. So I'm really excited to see him go around. Yeah, I am too, mate. He's a, he's a great guy, Sam. And um, I know he's worked really hard this offseason to get on a couple of a couple of injuries he's had. He obviously running around the weekend. He's still got a terrific left foot kick. Um, going to have one of the biggest kicks in the comp, and he's got really great vision. Uh, can pass, you know, as good as anyone. And uh, you're right. I think if he just gets that, um, you know, that uh, that sort of dominance to 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 really take games by the throat and lead the park around, it could, could be a good year for him. But he's he's sort of ably deputised at the back. Uh, Jimmy Omson's a, a player that's also catching the eye a bit. And uh, so, yeah, got two sort of good sort of uh, game managers there, you'd think. And, uh, yeah, sort of hopefully, hopefully it comes off. But, yeah, I think it's exciting times at, at the Marlins. And I'm watching the lower grades, uh, they, looked, uh, they looked pretty healthy, especially up front. It's funny, you get a coach like, like um, Brian and obviously he's um, maybe more of a backs-orientated coach. You're probably looking really strong. You know, you've probably got – Sometimes you can get clubs with, you know, seven back lines but only four forward packs and seemingly moving back around the other way, maybe more forwards than backs this year. But um, not a bad thing, as we know. The uh, the shields and the titles are always one up front. Backs just determine how much. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's looking pretty good for the Marlins. Good on. Where are we off to now, mate? Well, let's shift along to Eastwood, shall we? Sure. So, Benny Batcher... In his second season at Eastwood, um, mm-hmm. one game from the grand final last year, but by his own admission, probably 
never got them to a point where you genuinely believe they maybe could go all the way. They, they had a lot of the right ingredients, but just were a little bit inconsistent. Uh, they mm. were a bit, bit heavy in their forward play. They had very good big forwards, which is what they're good at doing. But they, there was a lot of times I went to see them and they had some fantastic backs catching a cold out in the sidelines. So I think yeah. particularly from Ben's background as, as one of the star fullbacks of the comp, that, that's something mm-hmm. we tried to look at in the off-season to integrate that and get those guys up front offloading a little bit more and trying to get those backs involved. Um, if you look at the recruitment-wise, they've lost a lot of experience with guys like Reese Allen and James mm. Hill, uh, Mick Snowden, Snowy retiring. They've lost Taylor Adams to Major League Rugby. So there's a lot of uh, – Palmer Food to, to Western Force. There's a lot of players that featured heavily last year that have gone. So in that, in that case, um, there's an awful lot of – combinations and, and gelling that needs to go on there. And he would say that himself, that how Batch is able to bring those guys together and as quickly as possible is going to uh, tell the tale of their season. But the flip side of that is there's a lot of very exciting players on the ins list. Who are some of those players, mate? Uh, well, there's a guy, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about, but I know there's great raps on him. And Ramwick were pretty disappointed to lose. Was Tane Edmid, who's a young yep. Colts fly half. Batch uh, yep. has got a lot of... A lot of time for him, expect some great things. Um, you've got Ratu Tuise, if my pronunciation is correct, has come across from Rugby League. They're still not sure exactly what his best position is, but they tell him he's the best on ball, no matter where he plays. Uh, he's yeah. a, he's pill for central. So mm. uh, he could be anything. And you've got a couple of players coming back uh, from, from long-term injuries, a Fabian Goodall. Who's who's a beast? Uh, had a beast last year and has that capability to offers a real point of difference because of his size. There's not a lot of wingers that size mm. laying around, and if he sticks around for a full season, I think they're going to be a lot better for it. And another guy I got a lot of time for, who's kind of had to sit um, in the wings for a lot of his Eastwood crews, scrum half Matt Gonzalez uh, Gonzo. He, he yeah. came on. I think he played in the twenty. 15 grand final against Manly because he played most of that year. But for a lot of time, he kind of sat behind either with uh, Mick Snowden or other guys. So he's had in, mm. a terrible injury. So him coming back is almost like a new player. And, and there's a lot of expectation for him to kick on and really show his worth this year as well. Yeah, he's a great player. I really enjoy watching him. He's um, very sharp, great great runner, got a great step. And he's, um, he's a live wire. He's a real live wire, real hard to handle. And um, – yeah, he has been unlucky. He's obviously had good players like Snowden in front of him, but um, hopefully uh, he, he gets a shot. Is is Mulyufi back? Uh, the inside centre, yep. Knox. Yep, he's there. Knox Knox Mulyufi is still still on board. So yeah, he was dominant last year. Fantastic last year. Yeah, yeah, a real real handful. And um, I mentioned that player on the podcast, Michael Isley. I think is a really really impressive player. Kept watching him play a few games last season, and he just stood out. Stood out. Big time. Be interesting if um, this young uh, Tame Edmund is uh, the five eight because obviously lost, losing Adams is, you know, uh, seemingly a bit of a change there and an all critical position at the Woods. Well, I asked, yeah, I asked Ben. I mean, you've lost, lost losing both the starting house from last year in Snowy and Taylor Adams. Uh, Matt Gonzalez, I guess, as we said, is likely to come into that nine jersey. The battle of the five eight should be quite interesting because you've got Tane Edmund, but also there's a a smoky of a guy called Chris Bell, who's an English guy who they picked up from Subbies. Um, mm. He's just been out there enjoying himself and playing a bit of footy. But apparently, he's been really impressive uh, at training in, and in the trials. So there could be a could have a couple of tens vying for that starting jersey as well this year. 
you got to love a rough diamond out of subbies. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Charlie yeah. Gamble didn't Charlie Gamble at East come out of subbies? He's got quite a few over the years. Um, yeah, yeah. If you don't know and they just emerge from nowhere. And... So good. Mm. So what's down for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, the Woodies are always uh, a force. They're bloody unlucky last year. Jesus had a bad day at the office in that semi-final against Rats. Yeah. Um, oh, it was one of the worst halves of footy you've ever seen, the poor buggers. And anyway, it can happen happen to the, the best teams in the world. It just uh, didn't happen. So they were pretty close. But um, as you say, it's a bit of a challenge this year with, with, with huge changeover. But uh, I'm sure the Woods will, will be in the mix there somewhere. Okay, the only so, thing will count against them, I think, is that. But but I'd back them to, to Paul. The Eastwood are always there or thereabouts. So, um, yeah. Watch out. If we've not mentioned though, haven't they picked up Tim Simona? They have picked up Tim Simona, which uh, I'm hearing he's just like a you know a cut above. Like he looks like a NRL player, like but at our level looks very, 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 very good. Yeah, he was a, he was a late addition. I think they tried to keep him under wraps for maybe mm. obvious reasons. Um, but if you focus on the the guy's footy pedigree, um, there's no doubt. There's no reason why he can't come in and dominate. At this level, but um, I wonder where they'll have him play. Maybe fit in at thirteen or something. Centre, I would thought. Yeah, so that's a bloody handful of Mulliuffi and, and oh, yeah. thirteen. You don't want to run down that channel too often, would you? No, no, no. That's and Fabian Goodall outside. Yikes! Yes, Fabian Goodall outside, and we've got uh, we've well, got Pakalani maybe chiming in from the back as well. So we've got pace, size, power. If they get that mix right, uh, yeah, it'll be hard to stop. I reckon Batch has been um, holding his cards to his chest. He's been fox. He's been foxing a bit with us, mate. They all fox, mate. That's a- <laughs> they all fox. They all fox. Speaking of foxes, um, let's go out to uh, Gordon. Gordon. DC Stags. The mighty Stags from Chatswood. Yeah. Well, here's a story in itself. And I suppose Darren Cohen came in last year, took over a side that were eleventh the year before from memory, and really. Haven't had a lot to cheer about over the last decade, the Highlanders, and you could see straight away just the influence and the turnaround that DC was able to instigate there. He likes a challenge. He said he likes taking over clubs. Mm-hmm. It can only go one way. It's something he's particularly good at. Um, I think it was the first time I went to Chatswood over. It might have been round two last year, so I think they might start with a bye from memory. Mm-hmm. And just the whole vibe around the place was different. You had all the grades were there, pumps. There was more people there. There was jerseys being worn. Mm. Uh, they had some music playing. They had crowds. And it was just like it was a, it was a different reinvigorated chat sort of. And you saw the performance not just in first grade last year where they just missed out on the finals, but I think all three of the grades and Colts going into the final series. Third grade won the club's first trophy in 10 years, I think since 2009. Yep. And I can only see them getting better from from what they were able to put in place last year. Getting that trophy, even though it was third grade, I think has been a, a huge flip for the whole club. And deep yep. having yet another off season, and he would say like the longest off season ever, has given mm. time to really work with those players and put everything in place he wants to to enable them to go that bit further this year. So there are a lot of people's favourites to be the most improved side, maybe. Mm. Well, he's bouncing off the walls at the moment. I, uh, I believe he very much enjoyed his trial on the weekend because the uh, Stag, Stags put in quite a performance against his old club at the Rats, yeah. and uh, 
Mate, Darren got very, very excited. I think I think he pretty much there might be a DVD coming out about this trial. <laughs> was, um, they went well to Trump, for all account. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He, he thought he told me he thought the um, the lap around the oval was a bit much for the trial. <laughs> But, 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 no, good signs for the Stags. I'm hearing they were very good at scrum time. And um, he tells me, uh, without not fully knowing what other clubs have been doing, but he's adamant that Gordon are the fittest club in the competition. So it sounds like they've been working very, very hard. And um, what are they looking like personnel-wise in, in respect to last year? I suspect some recruits come in, but maybe have had some difficulties with what's happened. Yeah, one of the highest ins and outs is a total, I think, officially 12 ins, 13 outs. Um, and the loss that the, the, would have been the starting halves, or certainly the guys that rotate around the halves, they had a very good nine last year. Jake Abel, one of the, the three yeah. able t- uh, triplets, well, not, not triplets, but the three of them together. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got a gig over in the Western Force. He was one of the best nines in the comp last year, but replaced yeah, great. Harrison Goddard. Coming in, who's obviously uh, his brother's already playing there as Captain Jordan, and he's another guy who you think has been bounced around. You get these guys that come up and they're kind of scooped up very quickly into Super Rugby programs, and then you barely see them, and then they sort of come back into club rugby. They've hardly played any footy for two years, so I'd really like to see this kid play 15, 16 games in a row and, and show exactly why people were telling and picking him in the first place. Um, and then in, in, in number 10, last year they rotated an Irish guy, Sean Kearns, who finishes. Yeah, I liked him. He was a good player. He was an amazing goal kicker. He finished yeah. leading point scorer. He's gone back to Ireland. He had a great boot. Um, and filling in for him at times was Robbie Coleman, an ex-Manly guy you'll know well. He's gone over to Major League Rugby. So um, I think it's a toss-up as to who's going to hold that number 10 jersey at, at the moment alongside uh, Goddard at nine. Mm. Well, I mean, you've got a pretty um, high-profile half, so it does take a little bit of pressure off maybe number 10, but um, it is an important position. But uh, I hear they went – yeah, like I, heard, I I did hear they went very well at scrum time on the weekend, so uh, seemingly going to be underpinned by a, a pretty good pack. So, yeah, Darren uh, will certainly try and give it an almighty shake, um, Given it's his it's his last year in the shoot shield, likely for some time. So uh, he want to go out on a high one, and and the thing as well is you look at the coaching uh, mm. there. Not only have you got DC who's won a premiership, you have got Billy, who's a de facto head coach, has been for many many years on board running the attack. Um, you've got Cam Blades, who was a former uh, shoot shield coach of the year, running the scrum. You got South to the first ever grand final. Um, mm. You've got Liam Winton. Uh, Ex Penrith and Uni block, whose uh, DC rates very, very highly. Mm. Um, you've got a couple of ex Parramatta first grade head coaches in and around the mix, also running second grade and helping out first. So the coaching team, the pedigree there is very, very strong. There's a lot of boxes being ticked, a lot of things in place to enable that team to go on and do what they really want to do, which is make the finals the first time since 2009. So it's been it'd be 11 years since Gordon have actually played in the finals. So that's their first target. Where you, if you get the finals, as most people say, all bets are off. See how they go from there. But I really wouldn't back against them. Certainly not in DC's last season here. No, um, absolutely not. I mean, I think at the end of this little preview, Matt, I'm going to make you pick your six oh. and hold you to it. I'm going to have. <laughs> I'm going to have. I'm going to have Gordon in there. I think they will uh, break that finals drought and 
and feature in the finals campaign in, in 2020. But there's your answer there about the scrum on the weekend. Cam Blades is heading up the scrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just as simple as that. Well, that's, you get the right place in the right place and you're covered all across the park there. And that's what DC is very good at is getting is. in and around him that he can yeah. do the program and go, right, you're doing that, you're doing that, you do that. And he's trusted, trusting those guys to do what they do best and he runs a great program. So... It's paid off from before. I'll just put a little addendum to, to Gordon. Can I just say, of all the coaches I've spoken to, they're giving me the ins and outs, and I really thank them for their time. Well, me pestering them every week to uh, give me the things I need. But to the, the most fascinating out that I was given was Lewis the Goat Skinner, who apparently has gone to the pub. So, uh, good on Lewis. Good what? Just a shout. Lewis the Goat Skinner. Lewis the Goat Skinner, wherever you are, he's gone to the pub. So good on him. Good on, good on you, Lewis. Live your best life, mate. <laughs> All right, mate. Let's um let's turn our attention over to the premieres at Camperdown, Sydney University. Oh. What what is happening at the Empire? The Empire. Well, the Empire struck back in the last couple of years. Has um, oh, it what? Has it what? And this is this is an intriguing thing. I mean, people would sort of figure funny if you're ever going to try and attempt to write off Sydney, and I think you'd be fool's gold to try and do so. But yeah, you could have to be honest and say that they were coming into this season with head coach Robert Taylor looking for a three peats, and all the prep and the preseason planning was was heading towards that. Obviously, COVID struck. Uh, Rob got a yeah. chance over in the UK with Leicester Tigers, which is pretty mean gig, even though the Tigers seem to be imploding left, right and centre at the moment, but he, he's going to be a great addition. Um, that for mm. the coaching reshuffle, which I guess they hadn't anticipated and the decision was to promote from within. So uh, assistant coach and forwards coach Joe Horn-Smith is an ex-uni prop. I think he played in the 2010 grand final. Yep. Um, he's coming on board to co-coach, co-head coach with former Waratah back uh, Michael Hodge, who's been running the Colts program and was director of rugby at uni this year. So there's been a bit of a coaching reshuffle. We've got two guys who mm. have been head coaches before stepping up, but they know uni inside out, they know the program, and they know the mm. players. So whether it will be that much different, I don't know. But you've got to, the caveat to that is they have lost a lot of players. So if you look at mm. the line from last year, Harry Potter's gone, Guy Porter's gone. Yep. Kane is around at the moment, but he's likely should be going to the UK. Uh, Josh Kemeny, we still play for the Rebels at Brookvale on Friday. He's a really, really great young player. He had a good game on Friday, on uh, Kemeny. I thought he was very, very good high. player. And I think from yeah. the top of my head, from the grand final winners, Mitch Whiteley's retired. Rory Sutton, I'm trying to think if he's in around the squad. He's headed up to the Rats. Declan Moore, who came off the bench, he's down at the Rebels. So there's, a, there's there's five or six, seven players that were in, that, in and around that grand final squad last year that aren't there. Mm. Um, and then it's the possibilities of the vagaries of whether those super rugby players are going to come back at the end of the season. So, like I said, you're never going to rule Sydney Uni out because they have this ability to just bring players through ad nauseum and they, mm. have, they have a program, they know what they're doing, everyone buys into it. But mm. could possibly put a couple more question marks over them this year than, than you would normally be able to do. I think so. I, you know, I, as you say, you, you'd never write off uni at any stage, but I do feel Taylor, um, I know he obviously has got great squad and, and great facility and great program to to work under, but, um, you know, it's uh, not easy to, to, to replace a guy as successful as that, but his assistant's obviously working um, quite in, quite closely with him. So, you know, it's a bit like when um, 
you know, Crony as a coach that obviously had a long, long impact on on Norse as a club. And whether you try to keep that style going, because because I really felt that Taylor changed the uni style of play quite dramatically, and whether that uni will continue to evolve in that fashion will be interesting. And you know, he he did bring that core group of cults through the system with him, which I think was a huge advantage. If you look at you know, Ben Darwin's always on about that cohesion thing, and I think that was a, a big factor of it. So with, with big change, with new personnel, um, there may be a glimmer of hope for the rest of the competition that they're not as dominant, but the reality is they're probably going to get, you know, uh, most of the Waratahs front rows uh, come the pointy end, you'd think, if, if everything goes off uh, unhinged. Well, that, that's the point of difference, right? It's, it's if, if Angus Bell and Harry Johnson, Holmes and... Tom Horton, or a really great as a hooker, made his debut for the Waratahs the last couple of weeks. If they get all those big boppers back, you've got five, six possibly starting front rowers. And as you've seen in the last couple of grand finals, although Warringah did a fantastic job against them last year, they did. It can be a point of difference, giving that platform to those backs. But they have lost a lot of uh, strike power from the back, but they always seem to have the next one coming through. So there's, there's a guy to keep an eye out for called Offa Manoa Fetoa. Again, mm. my pronunciation, but he played the second grade grand final last year and he was pretty notable presence out in the field, big body, quick. Is he the second rower? No, nah, he's a winger. Oh, geez, I was close. <laughs> he could probably play second row. <laughs> he could probably play anywhere, but no, he, he, he was really good. Um, they expect him to probably push through this year. Uh, Stu Dunbar is back, which is a big in because he was That's in, a big in. Yeah, yeah. in the Sevens program and he had a, a world in the grand final two years ago against the Rats. And mm. interesting, which is going to confuse everybody, is there's a second Angus Bell. So I I thought I saw that. I was getting I was a bit thrown, but yeah. um, Angus so, Bell, the prop, is obviously doing great things with the Waratah, but Angus Bell Probably a utility back, maybe plays more at fullback, was actually fast-tracked into the sevens program. Again, he's come back from that. So there's two Angus Bells, and my understanding is just to play along with it, and they, they use each other's um, photo on their Facebook profile. So, oh, dear. That doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help anyone, does it? Just throw anyone. So, yeah, they're not even spelt different. So I don't know how that's going to work if they end up playing the same team, but that would be uh, – look for him. coming through. There's a lot of big raps on him coming through as well. So, look, uni as usual – They'll promote for within. They've got a great cult system. They like to blood lower graders. I don't think you'll see them change things too much because that program was in place under Rob Taylor for this season anyway, and Hodgie and Joe were working alongside him. So I'd imagine whatever Robert intended to do, they would already put into into process through pre-Christmas, through the pre-season before March, before COVID. So I can't see that. They will change that much, but it's just whether they get those players back or the players they've got coming up are going to be able to replace the likes of Kane, Potter, Porter, Kemeny, McDoolin, bit of experience there as well with Dool. So um, just a, you could put a slight question mark, but it really, yeah, who's going to bet against Uni making the six? No, I, you'd be a brave person too, but they're going to get a great um, test straight away. They're getting a Northern Beaches double. They're going up to Rat Park for round one. Um, you talk about clusters, mate. The rat, the, the rats, the rats nest. It's they're just ravenous at the moment. Daz Hawthorne on the uh, hillbillies will be chomping at the bit to get stuck into the students uh, this week, and I presume that's on TV. I haven't seen anything about yeah, I was going to ask television just yet. I have not seen a thing, but I, 
I gather it's it's all happening. Anyway, um, I guess that'll be the go-to game. It's a grand final rematch. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. That'll be on. That'll be on the box, and then they go into Manly round two. So I'm kind of hoping they they do the rats because wouldn't mind them just lure them into a maybe false sense of security because you don't want to get an angry uni at uni. <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> Ask any team that's been don't poke this. Don't take don't poke the students. No, just don't. <laughs> Please don't. So I'm sort of hoping, yeah. That works out for Manly. But anyway, we'll see. Look, really looking forward to um, that big match this weekend. Hmm. All right, mate. Well, let's head over to the other former powerhouse of the competition, our most famous club, you'd say, yeah. Ramwick. Ramwick, yeah. A galloping greens from the Kudge. Um, mm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're growing up, even living overseas, everyone knew who Ramwick were. And they were synonymous with, with finals football and trophies and producing wallabies. And I guess um, – they have fallen by the wayside, by their lofty standards in recent years. They haven't been in a grand final since 2010. Uh, they haven't won a premiership since 2004, if my memory is correct. And they've not really been knocking on the door for a while. And they've had a rotating door of, of head coaches in the last decade. I mean, Shannon Fraser was the most consistent there. Got them to finals three years in a row, but I think they went out week one of the finals. And they haven't made finals at all the last two years. So... Mm. Guy coming in is a guy you spoke to had a great um, great chat with Benny McCormack, uh, who has been in and around the traps. You'll know a lot more about him from talking to him, but from being up from Brisbane and dealing with brothers and schools footy, and he's recruitment or development officer. He was at the Rats, part of the team there. And he was at, he's been at Randwick for a year as club coach. Yep. And he's now decided to step into the role of head coach and really test that coaching metal in the in the shoot shield and, and from talking to him and everything I've I sort of know about him the way he talks about the game. He's a very impressive individual with a lot of uh, desire and, and emotion around the game and a lot of um, talk, just talks a lot of sensibility about what he wants to do, where he wants to go and where he wants to take this team. And they could be another that fly a little bit under the radar by dint of their previous or recent performances but it wouldn't surprise me if they're one of the big improvers. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think finally we are seeing the benefits of that Colts program coming through, and I think with a coach like Ben with such a rich history in the game and understanding of how successful clubs tick, he's had such great experience up in Queensland. And now in Sydney, um, I expect them to, to to be in the mix as well. I add another team to the list. Um I know they've got a lot of guys tied up with the Aussie Seven, so it'd be interesting to see whether those guys are released. I don't see any um, Sevens competitions being played anytime soon, so I don't see why they wouldn't be allowed to return to uh, shoot shield footy. But I guess we'll have to see. Well, he's listed four, so I put the, I think the Randwick piece went up on behind the rock yesterday. Yeah, um, we got Henry Hutchison, Morris Longbottom, who's a gun. Uh, Lockie Miller and Dylan Peach are these four nominated sevens guys but as Benny would say at the moment he just hasn't had enough time working with them on the paddock to know how and where they're going to fit they're clearly fantastic athletes um, but they probably need to embed themselves a bit more in 15s and he has to spend a bit more time just to know where they're going to fit but you'd have to think they'll figure at some point during this season because of what they can possibly bring to the table Um mm-hmm. But I think he's, he's working f- with a lot of the guys that came through from like There's a feeling that the group they had for the last year or two is building. There's a lot of young talent there. 
and maybe just another year in Shoot Shield with a few more structures maybe in place, this might be the year for them to kick on and, and, and go to the next level. At, at the very least, make finals because not seeing Ramwick in the finals has been a bit of an anomaly. So it's not happened two years in a row. That's their first thing they've got to knock off. If you read the piece from, I'm talking to Benny, they have lost uh, a few front rowers, particularly I think they lost two or three when mm. Harbour, Canby yep. and Sonny Satoalu are both uh, starters, first graders at least. Um, so that he would say they're a bit light on up front, so it'll be interesting to see how they're in that place, whether they're able to get any more in before the season or as the season starts or whatever. But um, really intriguing to see how they go. With, with the IP they've got with Ben and assistant coach Garrett Cowley, he's a very smart operator. I think he's an ex-Samoan international, was a half-back player over in Europe, and I know he had a lot to do with – he was at Sydney Uni. Uh, he was assistant coach under Tim Davidson when they got the grand final in 2016, I think. And yep. talking to Jake Gordon, he would say that uh, he had a massive impact on on his game, the way he plays. So there's a lot of IP there. And he's got Morgan Turanui, he's one of the smartest guys I've met in rugby. Um, just, to, just to sit and have a conversation with Morgan, you kind of realise how much you don't know. So mm. have those guys available uh, and, and dealing with a young group that's aspirational, I think, um, yeah, watch them go this year. Yeah, that'd be interesting. There's, there's a good good team that he's got assembled with him, Benny McCormick. I know um, Gareth Kelly is a really good guy and uh, knows his footy really well. So, um, and as you say, Turanui, well, he's just a wealth of knowledge on the game and, and certainly the Roundwick way. He's well-groomed in that respect. But he's a terrific player and he's a really good, um, a really good pundit. I love listening to his um, input um, out there in the – Twitter sphere, very smart guy, and I've seen go down the Rebels. Uh, it was a bit of a premature exit from him for Super Rugby, just just because I thought there was a lot of there was a lot of knowledge that needed to be imparted somewhere. So I'm glad to see him back involved in coaching in in some way, shape, or form because I still think he's got an awful lot to offer to the next generation coming through. He's a very very smart operator. We'll see, mate. Uh, Ramick, um, yeah, I, you got to look at. You know, even the Waratahs on the weekend, they got the nine and ten mm. short and um, Harrison, who, who's really um, impressing Harris. I think you know we've had some young tens that Waratahs have clearly just been um, rushed into it. And I think he is a little bit um, green, but he really looks of real good promise, even at a young age. I, I, I genuinely believe that he looks like he's got the goods. He just needs a run of games, and it may be that yeah. this yeah. rugby Australia, the way it's panned out, may be to his benefit. If you're not that, Jesus, the Waratahs fan, you like to see him kick on and be the best team in Australia again and, and win a trophy. But if for what it is, if it's not the big overall Super Rugby competition, this is probably a good way for him to really get a run of games and, and embed himself. And, and as we've seen, the selection policies from Rob Penny since the restart seem to be geared towards grooming the next generation of players. There's a, a lot of young guys like Will Harris as well. Eight have been given their, their chance. James Ram's been in and around Mark Nawanonitawasi, again, if I've said mm-hmm. that correctly. But you're looking at what the Waratahs are going to be in the next year or two. So I think maybe the fact that there's not so many crowds and it's not he's not playing the Kiwi teams and the South African teams, maybe this is a good little opportunity for Harrison to really embed himself and get used to pro footy. Uh, and he might benefit from that. And if he comes back... The IP is going to bring back to Kudjiova and impart on 
I mean, Short, again, is, is a guy who's been knocking around for years. I'm a big fan of Mitch Short. Um, mm. He's finally getting a run of games. If they get them back, you've got Michael McDonald as well, who was in the Aussie in the 20s and played in the World Cup, Junior World Cup final last year. James Ram, who's, who's been a part. And there's a lot of players that could come back to Randwick. And they've got, a, they've got a lot of promising young players like Jackson Murray, the winger, and Nathan Denhoot, the, the lock. There, again, there's a, an interesting mix there. But the only question might you'd say, maybe, maybe the front row. Not that I'm going to pretend to know anything. No, but it is critical. Um, it's so critical. Front row, obviously, you can't. You just can't win the comp um, without an adequate type five, especially front row. So, and the challenge for the shoot shield level, especially, is without the ability to recruit at the moment. Um, slim pickings in the type five um, around the traps if you don't have them organically. So it's. Uh, it is a challenge. Um, finding finding second rowers are just. I think they're all taken up by basketball and AFL now, mate. There's just I don't know where all the tall kids go. They're, they're few and far between. If you get them, hold on to them because yeah, the tall timber. Uh, they don't have trees, literally. But uh, the, the thing I was rambling about earlier, I was just trying to find. Yeah, they're talking about foxing. That uh, Ramick is saying they're light enough front. If you go back to Gordon's preview, DC mentioned that Ramwick have added some front row power. So <laughs> I just wondered a little bit of uh, DC going back at his ex-assistant there and sort of just stirring the pot a little bit. DC won't be listening to this podcast, mate. He knows he knows every team in and out. Yeah, he knows. We should have just brought him on to do the show. <laughs> what are they asking me for? Yeah. All right. Well, um, talking of Smokies, this team would probably be considered – Smoky more years than not, but I reckon they're actually looking more prominent um, than they have for a while. West Harbour. West Harbour, yeah. What can you tell me about West? They look like they're coming into a very exciting side. Well, I've just been working on the West's piece today, which I've got, uh, won't be time specific this, but yeah. So I'll be going on Tuesday morning for anyone who's listened to this at any other time. But um, West are an interesting, interesting beast. Dave, Mark Goodmanson, Goodo. Top fellow mm. on the show. He's back for his second yeah. year in charge. And recruitment-wise, I think they're the team that everybody's been talking about because there's a, a long, long list of names of ins, not not too many outs. They have some notable outs. Um, if you look at Tian Swanepoel, the guy who kicked it from about 70 metres last mm. year at Concord Oval, I was there when he did that. It was just freakish. He moved over to Super Rugby to play with the Lions. And Tyler Fisher, who... He was near the full back. He's one of the backs. I'm trying to remember. He's gone back to uh, he's gone to MLR, and Noah Cooper was a, was a Kiwi. So they've lost two or three guys from their back line. But then you look at their ins, and there's a lot. So you've got Cam Beetham from Randwick. You've got uh, Fergus Mitra from Gordon. You've got Sonny Satuala from Randwick. Carlo Tizano, who's in the Waratahs squad. Yep. Nigel Vafale is a prop with the two blues and the big name there you've got Sam Wikes he's back from Japan who used to play for Power and that's a big uh, in big in kid non Wikesy but still still fit yeah, and very still. passionate yep and, and an excess from Western Force guy and coming in with him is Rocket Rod Davis who's uh, Rocket Rod ex-Wallaby ex-Super Rugby winner with the Reds I think in 2011 yeah God it was exciting that year yeah yeah. Unbelievable. So to see him possibly going around the shoot shield would be fantastic. So there's a lot of ins there. There's a lot of uh, turnover. That could 
the flip side of that again is can you get those team can you get that team to gel quickly enough in a shortened competition to be consistent enough to get in the finals, particularly given the lack of training pre-season that they've been afforded. But if they do, and there's a lot of belief, uh, there's a lot of good vibes coming out from West Ham. There's a lot, I wouldn't say there's certainly no arrogance at all, but they're very confident about the way they've um, put things together and they believe that they've got the squad that can get them back into the finals at the very least. Yeah, I think they do. Uh, From talking to Mark, they're just chomping at the bit to get going. I think they're, pretty quietly confident in, in what they've got at their disposal. And, uh, yeah, it'd be great to see the Pirates um, push into the finals. They've been close for a couple of years, 2017, more particularly when they had that huge run with Taylor Adams and they were uh, pretty competitive uh, under Loudon again. But, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think it'd be a great thing for a Western Sydney side to, well, you know, even though it's the inner West, it'd be great to see a side like um, – the Pirates back in the mix in the in the finals. I think it'd be, it'd be fantastic, and it's, it's a great club to go to. It's a very family orientated club. Yeah, they are on their day one of the best sides to watch habitually. They are. Yeah, competition. You can be feast or family. Can go one way or the other. But the, in terms mm. of excitement, you're generally going to get that one way from West Ham. And it's about trying to encapsulate that so it's only going one way of the field and not the other. And try yep. and put maybe a little bit of structure in just to harness some of those things. And talking to Gerdo, it's about Mm. The problem they had last year was completion rates. They got themselves in the position quite a lot of times in the red zone and then they dropped the ball. It was a missed pass or something, just that execution. Uh, yeah, little details. Yeah, maybe just throwing the pass when they don't need to and should be taking the tackle, mm. the next ruck and all that sort of stuff. So it's just about maybe getting them to take a breather at the, at the, the pointy end of the field a little bit and make um, make those chances pay because they're on paper, if you look to their results, well, the position in the ladder last year it wasn't um, didn't look too crash hot. But if you look at the results, they were I think they lost five or six games at least within seven points, and they could quite easily have turned the season around. With three or four more wins might have been pushing up six. And I spoke to a lot of coaches that said they they found West a hard team to play last year. So um, the other fact you've got is they're not going to be at Concord Oval. That's just been knocked down mm. in the photos. That that was actually. The Bulldogs are out at Concord about three weeks ago, I think, and they're going to be heading down to Dremoyne Oval. For, Grand old Dremoyne. Yeah, on the, on the old cricket oval down there for a couple of years. So if they can make that a home from home, um, get these guys gelling and get a bit of belief and maybe probably need to get a couple of wins on the board early, get that confidence up, then watch them go as well. Yeah, it'd be great to see them in the finals because they do play a really good brand of footy. And um, I think Mark's Mark's on the right track with that squad. So, mate, that's that's seven clubs. Yeah, um, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> have you had a, Have you had a glass of your wine? Or have you just been concentrating no, on talking? I've been, I've been concentrating, but I need the red wine. I need a good mudgy red to help me concentrate. Focus is the mind. So, uh, yeah, that's my. <laughs> I'm going out to mudgy this week, so I'll, I'll pick you up a, a bottle or two. Bottle or two. Get the winery recommendations from you anyway, but mate, I know them all. Don't worry, intimate. I go there every year. You'll be on. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we call it a night tonight and um, convene tomorrow and and round off the uh, the thirteen? Let's do that. Yeah, give me a bit more chance to to swat up on the, the teams I haven't finished with yet. So <laughs> we'll probably make a better episode that way. I might know what I'm talking about. Let's do that. Good man, Cookie. I'll speak to you then. Thanks, mate. Ta-da.